How many people had the opportunity to come uh, last night? You did? Thank you for those of you that came, and no condemnation to those of you that didn't or couldn't. But man, what an unbelievable impartation that happened last night, right? If you know anything about Don Potter, you know when he goes, uh, wherever he goes, there's a residue of glory that's left behind when he leaves. And I spoke to him again last night and to Christine this morning and uh, thanked him again for coming. And, and um, man, what, what a time. And I want to talk a little bit about some of the things that he said last night because I believe that they're re uh, relevant for where we are and where we're going. Um, and if you're not a, quote, member, we, we don't do for formal membership. Look, you come here, we consider you a member of our family. And if you never come back and you go somewhere else, we still consider you a member of our family. We're not a franchise church. We're not looking to get our church bigger than the church across town and say, looky, looky at us. That's not what we're about. We're about building the kingdom. Uh, but we're glad to have you here this morning. So I want to talk this morning about divine interruptions. I'm going to read some of my notes. I'm going to read some scripture, and then we're going to, we're going to see what God wants to do. Wendy came up to me earlier and said, man, when you started talking, he, he turned... Uh, he turned and, and with his left ear, she said, I feel like his hearing's already, his healing, hearing's already there. I believe that too. If you have not experienced the miraculous before, then the miraculous is for today. There, there, are, there is a thought uh, that's prevalent, it shouldn't be anymore, that, that the gifts and the moving of the Spirit ceased with the early apostles. That's absolutely false, and I can, it's provably false. I can prove it through what God's done in my own life besides many things that we've seen here. Uh, but just over the last few years, here are the couple of the things, for those of you that are new, that God has done here. Uh, we had a little girl that was five years old that had a hole in her heart the size of a 50-cent piece. And her mother asked for prayer on Sunday. Her father actually asked for prayer on Sunday. We prayed on Sunday. She was going for, uh, to be looked at and for pre-op on Monday. And I told the mother, call me because God's going to close that hole. She's, she's not going to have an enlarged heart. So what happens? But the mother never calls me Monday. And I waited and waited until finally, not to belabor the point, finally she Finally, she does text me. She says, I couldn't call you because I've been crying all day because we took little Becky for her pre-op, and the doctor said, I don't know what is difference between this scan and the previous scans, but that hole that was the size of a 50-cent piece is the size of a pinhead, and her heart is not enlarged, and she is not a candidate for open-heart surgery. We had a couple that had been trying to get pregnant for seven years that came up, and, and we did a baby dedication. He stood up and declared, I'm going to have that pastor, and pointed to me, dedicate my baby just like this was. It was when little Zion was dedicated. Um, and that afternoon, he called me and said, I know this is weird, but we decided that faith without works is dead. If you're trying to get pregnant, think about it for a minute. You're going to get the joke. He said, I know it doesn't, it's not supposed to happen this way, but I, can't, I just, Kendra and I decided to go get a pregnancy test. Guess what? We're pregnant. And we all know that our members here that nine months later, they gave birth to the first kid who's now three years old, little Kenlin. I, I, like to, I like to emphasize the stuff that's happened here. I've seen, I've traveled, I've, I've spent six months of my life in India. I've spent about three months of my life in Africa. I've spent a, few, a month and a half or so in Mexico. I've been to Peru. I've seen the miraculous. But what needs to happen is what we see over there needs to be happening right here in America. And what I believe that happened, the reason that it happens more over there is not because God loves that place better, but I do believe that they're more spiritually aware of the kingdom of light and of the kingdom of darkness. In the United States, we're so smart that we don't believe that we believe that anything that ever happens to us can, you know, can be figured out or can be sorted out with counseling or with our minds. And I believe in good godly counselors. We have people in this church that are godly counselors. But look, behind every sickness is a spirit, period. And once you settle that, you can understand the point of attack by which you can make yourself healed. Really. 
If you understand there's a spirit behind every single disease, dis-ease, there's a spirit behind it. How many people in here believe that Jesus ever gets sick? Do you believe that he's ever uncomfortable or, or, or full of disease or worried? Well, if he's not, and, he, and, and by his death and resurrection, his father made us a part of his inheritance. The Bible says that we're heirs of God and joint heirs of Jesus Christ. Then why in the world would we expect anything less than Jesus Christ arisen in our lives? Amen. I shouldn't have to push this hard to preach what's called new covenant. Sometimes God interrupts our best plans, and sometimes in the middle of doing church, singing songs, or just doing life, God decides to completely interrupt the process of normalcy and inject the power of his spirit into a thing. Last night was such a night. A father, a prophetic psalmist, a seer, was here among us last night, and he began to see and declare what the purposes of God were for us in this season. He encouraged us to be after, I think he used the word chase after the Holy Spirit. To chase after him, not for the sake of miracles or even for the sake of power, but for the sake of relationship. If you have ulterior motives in your, in your, in, 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 in you're trying to encounter God with an ulterior motive, you can forget that. God still heals and he'll heal you when he wants to. But what he really is looking for is a body that just seeks relationship. And the byproduct of a relationship is the miracles, signs, and wonders come. The Bible says that miracles and signs and wonders would follow them that believe. Not that the believers would follow after them, but that they would follow after the believers. Jesus was very clear, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and the things you need on a daily basis would be added. So we're to be God chasers. We, we have all had people come into our lives at different times and for different reasons, and you can always tell those that have an ulterior motive apart from those who de desire a real relationship. You can always tell. You have the ability to. And the Holy Spirit is the same way. It is no longer okay to chase after the Spirit with ulterior motives. So do me a favor. Just throw me a mercy amen every now and then so that I know that you're listening. He is God. He's not a genie in a bottle that we can grab and force to do our bidding. He is not a God that is going to condescend to our will because of anointing. The anointing should cause you to align with what His will already is, and we do what He says, and we become what He says. God is not going to bless your purpose. He's going to bless you when you step into his purpose for your life. Amen. Instead, we're going to find that as we chase him, as we hunger after him, as we thirst for, is there anybody in here that's hungry after him? Is there anybody like the psalmist that says, as the deer pants for the water, is thirsty for the water, so my heart longs for you? Is there anybody besides me that doesn't care necessarily just about miracles or signs? I just want more of you. I want, I want more of you. Is there anybody that wants more of him in their life? Talk back to me. Is there anybody thirsty for more of that encounter with him? And not just encounter, because encounters come and go. And I love the word encounter, but it's become such a buzzword. The problem with it is when you encounter something doesn't mean you stay with him. He wants us to be after his abiding presence. Do you remember that John said, Upon whom you see the Spirit of God descend and remain the same as the Son. And in today, the sons and daughters of God should be those upon whom the Spirit of God descends and remains. Which means if you pray in tongues in here or do the works of the Spirit here and you leave the four walls and don't, that's not, that's not the Spirit remaining. 
But when that lady pulled in front of you in Walmart and you had that parking spot and you had prayed in tongues for four and a half hours to have a front row parking spot and you're pulling into Walmart, and there it is, God, you answered my prayer, and boom, this lady driver pulls right in front of you. I say lady because you know. Just to, just to push your buttons a little bit. Are you still full of the Spirit then? Are you still manifesting the reality of a Spirit that remains? Only three people said something, which means the rest of you are like, nope. We gave her a sign, and it was not a sign from God. <laughs> it's after we hunger and thirst after Him and we become one with Him that we begin to see as He sees. And then He will even begin to share His secrets with you. You watched a friend of God last night that has long been a friend of God begin to share some secrets that God had given to him. Secrets are revealed in the secret place. And the secret place is by invitation only. And the way that you enter into that place is by one word, it's called surrender. As you surrender to God, as you surrender to his purposes, as you surrender what was and really what you want to be to what he desires and say, forget about my wills and desires when my desires are just simply more of you, then you're invited into the secret place. And there in the secret place, you, you get the secrets of the kingdom. The scriptures, as we know, was written using three languages, the Hebrew, the Aramaic, and the Greek. Interesting to me is that in each of these three languages, the English word translated as spirit throughout the Bible, as in the Holy Spirit, means breath or wind. The term is ruach in the Hebrew and Aramaic and pneuma in the Greek. And we know that this breath, which was breathed into Adam, made him a living soul according to Genesis 2.7. The Bible says that God breathed into Adam's nostrils the breath of life. He exhaled what was inside of him into Adam. Adam's first inhale was, was the Spirit's first exhale into this earth. And when it happened, Adam becomes a living soul. Hmm. And that gives us some insight into the role of the Holy Spirit today. Or should I call him the holy breath of God? Do not turn me off before I'm finished. Listen to me. Open your hearts and open your minds and be willing to be stretched a little bit because many of us think that the Holy Spirit is sort of like the third sort of kind of cool dude in this thing we call the Trinity, not really as cool as the Father, and he's sort of right there with the Son. We really don't know what he does. He just floats around us. No, that's not who he is. And he is a person, and he is God, and he was there in the beginning. Please don't get mad. If you're mad at me, wave your hand. Joey, put your hands down. Where this, he's a life-giving spirit, not just by action, but by nature. That means where the, where the spirit of the Lord is, think about this. We preach this. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And we think that drumming people up and getting them emotionally involved, which is not a bad thing, and, and feeling the, the corporate anointing bond the house, we think that that creates a, 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 an atmosphere of the spirit of God. No, the spirit of God just is. And where he is, there's liberty, whether you sang the right song or the wrong song, whether you got prophesied to or didn't get prophesied to, whether you came to hear Don Potter or didn't come to hear Don Potter. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty, which means there's freedom. 
Where the Spirit of the Lord is, where the breath of God is, where the breath is, there's life. He's looking now for a people who will not try to control or even harness this power, but instead inhale his life and exhale his life. Don told us last night, he said, he told us corporately, then he talked to me later, and then he talked to me again later and said, because of the glory of God that's upon this house, True Vine Worship Center, and because of the talent level that you have, talking about the worship team, and because of what God's doing here, he said, be very careful that you don't let someone come in and try to commercialize what's happening. It was, an unbel it was a word, but it was also a warning. It was an unbelievable powerful warning because many times what happens is there becomes such momentum in the movement. And what we're doing here, this is not, mo this is not a monument, this is a movement. What we believe is for a, a body of Christ being activated to go out into culture and change culture on behalf of Jesus. That's what we believe for, that's what we're here for. Not just for Sunday morning services, but to empower the entire body of Christ to understand there's no big ones and little ones, we're all equal in the body of Christ, and to go out and influence culture. And the Bible says, until the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. Interesting to me, that's in Revelation. Interesting to me that it says the kingdoms of this world are become, first, that's the original rendering, which means an ever-present now, which means they haven't become. It's not that they will become, but they are become, which means when you step into alignment with, what did he say last night? With now. When you step into alignment with now. He said even we as Christians, even we as believers always believe good things are going to happen someday. The earmark, of, the, the earmark of the Bible Belt gospel was some glad morning. When this life is over, I'll fly away. Well, I hope that happens for you. But, I'm, but it was some glad morning for me when I got up this morning. Because Why was it some glad morning? Because I have an intimate relationship with the very spirit that knelt down and breathed into a bag of bones and caused Adam to become life. So for me, this morning was some glad morning. I hope you get your mansion one day, but there's a whole lot that I want in the here and now than, than just one day getting some mansion in some streets of gold. Hope you get it. Hope it's wonderful. Hope, hope you have the biggest house in, in, in space, whatever. But that does me no good now. What does me good now? Jesus said, when you pray, pray this way. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. I don't just want to make heaven my home. I want to make my home like heaven. And to do that, God has got to have a conduit by which the glory of God by his spirit permeates through a person and it comes into the earth and what's real in the heavens becomes reality in the earth. And let me tell you something. In the realm of the heaven, you are not sick. I'm going to take some, I know I'm going to take some risk here with some of you, but in the realm of the Spirit, you are not sick, you are not a sinner, you are not diseased, you are not afflicted, you are not broken. In the, in the Spirit realm, in the reality of the heavens, in the kingdom of God, you are whole. But the problem is there's a disconnect because we're in this thing called time and space. We live here in this place called time and space. And we feel captivated to it. And yet the pattern son would stand on the earth and say these words. No man has yet ever ascended up into heaven except the son of man which came down from heaven. And then he said this, and is in heaven. And he did not leave to go to a mansion over in glory. He was standing on the earth when he said it. 
which means heaven is the realm of God. The Bible says heaven is God's throne and earth is his footstool. If heaven is his throne, then it's the place of his dominion. The kingdom of God is the royalty, the realm, the rule, and the reign of the king in his kingdom. If you look up the word kingdom in your Bible and pick up your 50-pound concordance and flip it over and look for the word kingdom, you're going to find four words, the royalty, the rule, the realm, and the reign. That's what kingdom is. In, your, in the original, the, the, the royalty, the rule, the realm, and the reign. So if we're saying thy kingdom come, I'm saying the rule of God come. The reign of God come. The reality of God come right, not, not, not some glad morning, right now into this place. And until a body full of his spirit calls for that to come forth, we're going to be social club. We call ourselves spirit-filled, but we're not better than those that say some glad, and not that we should be better, but I don't want some glad morning when this life is over. I know that's going to be a great day. I want a great day today. And I don't just want a great day today for me. I want it for my wife and for my children and for this church and for my community and for Statesville. But the way that happens is as we surrender to the spirit and the moving of the spirit. As we step out, Clarice Fluitt used to say to us years ago, the water doesn't get hard until you step out of the boat. It's a lot easier for me to preach this way now, especially in this church, but you go and preach this to some churches and man, you, you'll never come back. They'll give you the left foot of fellowship real quick. But I've become comfortable because the spirit that empowers me is the comforter. Did you know most of the time that Jesus spoke, Half the people, I would say a greater percentage of people, had no clue what he was talking about. He even said that because Peter and the disciples came to him one day and says, when you talk to the crowds, why do you speak in parables? And he said, for now it's not for them to know the mysteries of the kingdom, but to you it's given. Now, the New Covenant Church had not been established yet. That didn't happen until Acts chapter 2, till Jesus' birth, death, uh, burial, resurrection, ascension, and coronation, which all, by the way, has happened. He's king. He's not our soon coming king. He's king right now. We're not going to crown him king. You can cast your crowns at his feet, but, but just, just rest assured, honey, he's king right now. He's king of kings. He's lord of lords. If he's king of kings, it doesn't, it doesn't say he's the greatest king. He's the king of kings, which means there must be some kings that are under his kingship. If he's lord over lords, there must be some lords who are under his lordship. You ever taken a rubber band and just stretched it till you thought it was about to pop? This is new covenant. Why is it that, why is it that Paul even said one day, he said, when, when, you have, when you should be teaching others, you have need to be taught again the first principles. This is not a condemnation. I'm not condemning anybody here. I'm just saying why, we, we should be long beyond this. We, this should already be activated. So that we are already doing this. We're already living this in our everyday life. Ooh, it's 5 o'clock somewhere. Who just went into the fire when I said that? I like Alan Jackson. Oh, about the time thing. He's a life-giving spirit, not just by action, but by nature. So we inhale his life. We exhale his life. We inhale the glory we exhale the glory until his breath becomes our breath. His spirit becomes one with our spirit. 
Power is coming to us in this day. Power to heal the sick, raise the dead, bind up broken hearts. But power is not the focus. Power is the natural byproduct of relationship. Power is the natural byproduct of relationship. Look, my little daughter is only six years old. She, but the reason that she gets everything she asked for within reason, you could just chop that last little phrase off and just throw it away because it doesn't mean anything. If she comes up to me, which she does every morning when I drink my coffee, I sit on the corner of my couch, she'll come up and sit on there and I ask her, I ask all my kids one day, what's the favorite thing about daddy and the worst thing? None of them wanted to answer the worst, but they all did. For instance, Jacob answered, when you destroy me in basketball, which I do on, on a daily basis. Where you at, Jake? Up top. Hey, buddy. She says, the best thing about my daddy is he gives the best hugs. She comes up and sits on my laps. She puts her head right there, and I hold her for about 5, 10, 15 minutes every single morning that we're alive, that, I, that, that, that I'm there, and she's awake before I leave. And if she were to look up to me and say, Daddy, can I have, she doesn't even have to fill in the blank yet. The answer is going to be yes. But the answer is yes, not because she manipulated me. The answer is yes because of our relationship. Do you understand? It's such it is with the Heavenly Father. It's not, we don't have to manip, you don't have to try to manipulate him. You don't have to get him into the right mood. Look, here's the deal. I have come in, I've come home before in a foul mood. And I'll see that little girl or any of my six children, my daughter Abigail, come up to me and hug me, and immediately the mood changes. It, it, it's relationship, and he's relational that way. You don't have to do things right or not do them. Rachel could have been bad, as they say, that day, and she's never bad. Sometimes she's, she's still learning. She's only six. But even on when she's bad and says, Daddy, can I have? The answer is yes, unless it's the remote. I've had all I can take of, of some of the shows. Man. I don't, I don't mean not evil shows, just annoying shows. Okay. I know you want to go home, and I do too, because I'm hungry, just like you are. Talking about pound cake earlier did something inside of me. <laughs> Power is the natural byproduct of a relationship. Listen to me. You will only be able to breathe out what you have breathed in. That's true in the natural, and that is true in the spiritual. You will only be able to exhale what you have inhaled. And be careful that you don't pollute what is inhaled. So that the breath that is released is just as pure and fresh as the breath that's received. So when you receive of his spirit... Make sure your spirit is clean. And what I mean by clean is make sure that you're before his presence. You know, I, I don't, I don't want to get into this thing where purity is. You've got to wear your hair a certain way or not. We're, we're way beyond that. But what is the Father? It, sometimes he's going to call you. And most of the time for me it happens about in the middle of the night. As a matter of fact, last night I didn't sleep almost at all. I feel rested because my Father was speaking to me all night. And I smiled all night. When first thing I got up this morning I said, I love you, Father. You know what he said to me? I love you too. To be pulled into that place, Caleb, it looks like surrender. To be pulled into that secret place where you receive the secrets of the kingdom, it looks like surrender. It's in this breathing in and out that we satisfy the cry of desolate creation, causing dead things to live again. 
There is a power coming, but who can stand when it comes? Only those who have the same breath. There is a power coming. When I say it's coming, it's the moment that you step into now. As long as there is a now, now is the accepted time. That's my paraphrase of the way it was said in the New Testament. The word power, as you know, Strong's 1411 is dunamis. I know you've heard the word. It means force, miraculous power, strength, ability. Listen to this. It means inerrant power, power residing in a thing by virtue of its nature. Power, innate ability that resides in a thing, person, or place by virtue of its nature. Wow. So you're telling me as I spend more time with the Spirit and surrender to Him and not look for the gifts of the Spirit, but look for the giver, then the gifts come as a byproduct of my relationship with the giver. It's exactly what I'm telling you. It's exactly what I'm telling you. You cannot approach the, the throne with ulterior motives. It doesn't work that way. The good news is that with the giver comes all the gifts. He's looking for gifts to be in operation. He's looking for fruit to be in operation. But most of all, what he wants is relationship. And that happens as, by way of surrender. I'm finishing up. It's the nature of the Spirit-filled church to have residing power. Power not to perform, but power just to be. That's, now, that's something to say for a church that takes, uh, takes pride in our praise and worship and uh, the things that we do here. We try to do all things in excellence. But this is not a performance. Hmm. Power not to perform, but just to be. The Holy Spirit is not separate or lesser of the three dudes that make up God. He is indeed the power of God. He is the breath of God. And we were, when we are filled with that self-same spirit or that self-bread, that same breath, then we carry by virtue of our nature the very power of God. Think about that. Think about that. If the spirit of God, the ruach of God, the Holy Spirit of God is the breath of God and in the breath resides the power and the breath of God resides within you, then guess what else resides within you by virtue of the fact that the spirit of God is with you. You have inside of you the innate ability to cause explosions of glory. Dunamis means explosions of power. That literally means when a little child comes in with stopped up ears, you should explode with the glory of God and exhale the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead so that the ears come unstopped. That is what the new covenant church looks like. It's what the earth has been groaning and travailing and waiting for for 2,000 plus years. The Bible says the earth groans and travails and waits for what? For the manifestation of the sons of God. For literally sons and daughters of God who know who they are, who are comfortable and secure in their identity and walk out the kingdom in the now. Simply that. And when that happens, all of creation responds. I was in India in 1999 in a town called Adoni, spelled like Adonai, like the, the Lord, excuse me. And in those days, I was only 20 years old, so they did 
pastor conferences during the days. Well, pastors bored me because they thought they knew everything. I didn't like people like that back then because I didn't have the filter that I have now. I don't, you wouldn't know I have a filter now, but I really do. <laughs> my truck was full. Of, I have six kids. Elizabeth didn't come. My truck was full. I didn't have room for the filter this morning. And uh, so what I would do during the day, we would do our mass crusades at night, which would be between five and 30, sometimes 40, 50,000 people. And uh, so I really felt like, okay, during the day, I'm just going to give myself, I want to spend time with the Lord. I have no interest in being a part of what they're doing there. And so I got in a cab one day and said, take me up to this mountain. There was, there was a mountain, and on this mountain were seven temples. And there were women that went and visited each of these seven temples every single day to worship and offer sacrifice. Not Christian. It, it, was, it was incredible to me. I wanted to go see it. I want to go see about it. And so I got in the cab, and I remember driving the cab. The guy that spoke no English, obviously. I just, you just sort of point and throw money. <laughs> and uh, I remember, I'll never forget it as long as I live. I remember driving the cab, and they don't have, at least not in the 90s, they didn't have what we call roads. It sounds like Back to the Future. <laughs> roads where we're going, we don't need roads. Well, they don't have them. And the, and the law of the land in India is whoever has the big, bigger vehicle wins. By that I mean if you're in a, if you're in a Ford Pinto, and you're driving up the road, and, and somebody's in a Z71 jacked up driving this way, Pinto better get out the way because right-of-way goes to who has the bigger vehicle. I'm not kidding. We saw, we saw accidents over there. People are crazy over there. And they don't use the horn as a warning or like many of us do for the woman that took our place at, at Walmart. They use a horn for everything to let you know I'm getting over, to let you know I'm mad, to let you know I'm happy, just to say hello. I mean, it's, it's insane. But I sat in the back of this cab, and this guy's carrying me up about a 45-minute ride up this mountain. Now, I remember, I'll never forget as long as I live, looking in the face of these animals, specifically looked in the face of a little goat. This is going to sound weird for some of you, but that's okay. I'm weird. And I remember thinking that animal, when we connected eyes, because you can't go very fast. When we connected eyes, I thought that animal was looking at me like, are you the one that's finally going to come and, create, and, 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 and cause this country to be free? Are you bringing liberation? Are you one of the ones that we've long awaited? I'll never forget as long as I live. It was, I was looked out the right side. Like I'll never forget it. His ears were down. Barely had little, two little tiny horns. And he just, it's like he watched me. Maybe that's not at all what he thought, but that's what came into my heart when he looked at me like, are you finally here to liberate us? Because they're under such oppression because they worship gods for everything. Tens of thousands of gods. If you want it to rain, you just go create a little idol and you worship it and believe it's going to rain. It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Got to the top of the mountain, and the cab driver um, introduced me to a guy that was at the top, top of the mountain that spoke English, and, the, and that man came out of his temple. I talked to him about who I was, spent 45 minutes with him, and he received Jesus as the Lord on the top of the mountain, on the top of the seventh, the seventh mountain. I thought that was a cool thing. The Bible says the earth groans and travails and waits for the manifestation of the sons of God, for sons, of, sons and daughters of God to say, Okay, we're tired of playing church. We're tired of pretending to be something. We're tired of even performance-based religion. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to be children of our Father. Look, for the rest of my life, I am Joshua Bunton. I had nothing to do with getting here. My father and my mother decided they, that, you know, they liked Tony and they liked Carrie, but they wanted to keep trying. Rebecca says they kept trying until they got to her. That's why they stopped because they perfected with her. But I say the devil is a lie. <laughs> no. no, I'm here by virtue of, of something that they did, and for the rest of my days, I'll carry the nature of my father and the name of my father. Right? It's the same way with your heavenly father. He's looking for his sons and daughters to carry his name well 
and to carry his nature well. And his name is Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Are you releasing peace where you go? Man, you're going to be out early. I'm, I'm a minute and a half from being finished. As this power is released, it is imperative that we keep the main thing the main thing. Listen to me, True Viners. Those of you that are here, those of you that are connected, those of you that are going to be here, those of you that are going to watch what God's doing in this time that's, that is being released even as we speak. It's imperative that we keep the main thing the main thing. When you begin to see the miraculous, let's not worship for the miraculous sake. Let's keep our eyes focused on him. I think that was a part of the warning Don gave us last night. Keep the main thing the main thing. Relationship. Look, I'd rather have a relationship with him and never see a miracle than to see a thousand miracles and never have a relationship. Jesus says in that day they would say, Lord, Lord, did we not cast out many demons in your name? Did we, and what, were his, what was his reply? I never knew you. Which means he puts a premium of relationship above miracle signs and wonders. I want to know him. I want to cry as, as Paul cried, that I might know him. The power of his resurrection. Let's not skip the next part. The fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable even unto his death. Our focus needs to be him alone and not the things that he does through us or for us. We have been warned to not commercialize the move of his spirit. We were warned corporately, and I was warned and ex I was exhorted privately to be careful not to commercialize and not to allow anyone to commercialize this movement. He is not for sale, and neither is this church. We are no one's prostitutes, and the Holy Spirit is not a pimp. He is the power of God. We were told to be well established in the word and in the church because the noise would be great in 2020. I'm saying this as a reminder for those of you that are here and for, to put you guys aware that they weren't able to make it last night. Let us draw so close to him that his whisper is clearer to us than all the noise in the world. That happens individually and it happens corporately. That's why the enemy has tried so hard to divide the church. He knows that united we stand and nothing can stand before a united body full of the Spirit of God. I don't think I need to finish anymore. Well, okay, I will. Just so you can know, I read the Bible. John chapter 20, 19 through 23. And I like the message rendering. I study the King James. I love the King. I love all the versions. I, I don't believe any should be thrown away. I like the way this is worded. Later on that day, the disciples had gathered together, but fearful of the Jews, they had locked all of them, all the doors in the house. And Jesus entered, stood among them, and said, Peace be unto you. I love how he just kind of, he is the doors. So he just comes and goes as he wants, you know. Then he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples, seeing the master with their own eyes, were exuberant. Jesus repeated his greeting, peace to you, just as the Father sent me, I send you. Now here's what I, then he took a deep breath and breathed into them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. What I believe has been happening, what I believe the Lord did last night, and what I just believe Don simply witnessed, he did not bring what God did here last night. He was a witness of what God has already been doing. 
It's imperative that we understand that the men of God that come into this place, now, yes, he left impartation, and yes, that comes from a place that he has access with the Father. But what God is doing through us is not something that was brought by Don Potter. It's something that was recognized by a seasoned father, which, which says a whole lot about true vine as far as I'm concerned. It's something that is happening. But what, what really was happening was it's been a fresh breathing in of the Spirit of God, a fresh breathing in. When Jesus looked at his disciples and breathed, it breathed into their nostrils, it was the exact same thing that the exact same Spirit did to Adam back in the garden when he breathed into Adam's nostrils the breath of life. The only difference was Jesus had already come through death, passed through victorious on the other side, and, and Adam was made a living soul, but Jesus Christ, the righteous, a life-giving Spirit, and he breathed the life-giving spirit into his disciples, which means now they had inside of them the ability to do what he had done, which is give life. And that is exactly what he's waiting for this body, not true vine, the body of Christ to do, to receive, to inhale that spirit, inhale his glory. And that way, as we, as we inhale glory, all we can exhale is as we inhale his spirit, we exhale his spirit. And we know that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So everywhere we go, by virtue of our presence, we should take dominion over the places that we stand. If you work at Comscope and you walk into Comscope, by virtue of your presence, Comscope should be a place where the glory of God resides. I just don't know why I thought of Comscope. If you work, well, we, I was going to say Chick-fil-A, but everybody knows God abides at Chick-fil-A. I mean, that's, that's the spirit's chicken right there. <laughs> I was going to say Chick-fil-A, but if you work there, you just get a double portion because he lives there. That's the Lord's chicken. <laughs> so good. Did I say that out loud? Sometimes I can't believe some of the things that I say. It's imperative. I, my point this morning, my hope this morning was to convey the seriousness of the hour. Not, not to give you a spirit of fear, but, a, but, a, but an awareness of where we are, an awareness of where we're going, and a warning that as we go there, let's keep the main thing the main thing. When the children are up here dancing, let them dance. Let them be free. And I understand the difference between order and disorder. I also understand the difference between a free worshiping spirit and a religious mindset that wants to stop it. And as far as I'm concerned, let the babies worship. Amazes me. Parents will grab kids that try to worship up front, sit them down, sit them down, sit them down, do that for 15 years, and then they become a rebellious teen. You say, I don't know what happened. They want nothing to do with church. You sat them down for 15 years and told them to be still, don't move, don't talk, don't speak, and now they don't want to be there. They don't want to talk there or speak there, and you wonder what happened. You happened. You're what happened. Let them worship. Would to God, there, there are some people here in the 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s that get, could take lessons on how to be free and worship. Jesus looked at them one day and said, except you become as these little children, you can't, you can't even see, let alone enter the kingdom of heaven. Do you know what the difference is between those little people and us? They have no concept of death. They have to be taught that. And they're not born with fear. They have to be taught fear. As this movement is happening. Let's keep the main thing the main thing. Can't wait to see. I mean, I believe this garage door, it's been prophesied. It was re-prophesied. Bob Jones stood in this building 
and said that people would, they would back up EMT trucks to that door right there. It's a garage door that can be lifted. And before they go to the hospital, God would heal them here. Those, are, those were his words. That, he actually said that. If you don't know who Bob Jones is, go look him up. It's okay if you don't know who he is. I didn't know who he was five, six, seven, eight, 20 years ago, whatever. When we came and prayed and walked around this property and anointed the property, I saw it again, that that garage door, that, that they would bring the sick there and they'd be, I can't wait to see where we just, we have, have to have an extra room. God knows we got room here to stack up the crutches and the wheelchairs. I'm all for that and I want to see that happen and it's coming. But I would not, I would not have that over pure relationship with Father. As a matter of fact, the pure relationship with Father is going to be the only catalyst that starts the wheelchairs and crutches and stuff like that happening over there. Well, how do you do that? You, like you do anything. What did Don say last night? Anything you practice, you get good at. You can get good at being lazy if you practice it enough. I told you, I, my car was packed. So go, so go home and spend five minutes. Challenge yourself and spend five minutes and do, do to him what, give God the same courtesy you give anybody else. If Justin, Justin, come up here and talk to me a minute. Justin Mayberry, he looks real good. He's real sharp. You know, he, he, he runs uh, MGM. This is my man right here. He looks real good. If he comes up to me and says, hey, Josh, what's going on, man? How you doing? Man, why don't you come out and visit me at the shop one day? And I never say a word, just walk away. That would be considered unbelievably rude. If, or, or if he said that and then he walked away and didn't give me a chance to respond, that would be rude of him. How many times do we pray and we say amen and get up and go about our day and don't even bother to sit there and wait and see what the Father's response might be to what we just asked Him? Thank you. I don't like standing too close to you. You're too good looking. Go sit down. Go sit down. Sit there and wait for a minute. Practice it. Practice silence. I mean, my God, that's something in America that's been long lost. It's a practice. Practice silence. I've been silent for 10 seconds, and some of you, you have RLS. I'm not picking on you, Joey. You can't, you can't, like, my God, what's he doing? It's been five seconds. Nothing's been said. Practice, practice the art of silence and wait and listen to him. Turn off Facebook. Turn off social media. Turn off the TV. Turn off your brain. I'm going to share this, share this last illustration. I'm going to go. I think it was Tozer. I'm almost positive. It was Tozer. That said, um, he gave it this way. I'm going to butcher it because I'm not Tozer. Who is? But he said that um, when he's talking about praying and it's causing your mind to be still, to listen to the Father, listen to the Spirit speak to you, he said, if you have at your house an open-door policy where people can just come and visit any time that they want to, and that's been the way it's been for years, then that's what people do. If you ever decide to close your doors because you want a moment of silence, what's going to happen? You're going to close your door, but immediately people are still going to come. And they're going to knock on the door and pound on the door like, wait a minute, this is the way it's always been. Until and only until you stay in that place with the door closed long enough that all the visitors decide it's not an open door policy anymore and they go away and then you have your moment of silence. It's going to be that way with you with your thoughts. When you go into a quiet place and you sit alone waiting to hear from the Father. Because our mind is bombarded on a daily on a, on a minute by minute basis. With everything. Everything has a voice. Charles Johnson taught me years ago. Everything has a chair has a voice. It says, sit in me. Right. You know, a microphone has a voice. It says, speak over me. A piano has a voice. Play me. Everything has, and until we can steal every other voice and hear only his voice. This is not new age. This is not new age. Some of the new agers have tried to hijack a lot of what 
is, is the reality of the kingdom. But this is what Jesus would do. He would leave crowds of people and go and just be alone by himself and the Father. And that's why in that place, he would breathe in the glory so that when he came out of that place, he exhaled the glory. I like the way Bill Johnson says it. Jesus is and was God, but, but everything that he did when he walked the earth, he did not as God, but as a son in right relationship with the Father. That's how he became our pattern. Otherwise, he was just God, and it's wonderful what he did, but didn't give us any chance to do it. But he did it. He said these words. Jesus said, it's just the scripture. I do nothing except I see my Father do it first. And I do not say anything of myself except what I hear my Father speak. He taught us how to do that. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now, if you still love Josh Bunton, if you didn't before you came here, just pretend like you did. If you still love me, wave at me. Seth, your hand didn't go up. There it is. No, I'm just kidding. That's my brother. I love you too. I love you enough to tell you the truth, even sometimes when it's a little uncomfortable. I don't think this was necessarily uncomfortable. I think we're all really anxiously anticipating what God's doing. And the way that that increases is by your personal increase in your time with him. Amen? Let's all stand. Thank you, Father, for this day. Thank you, Father, for this opportunity to come. Thank you for the opportunity to minister. Thank you for the opportunity to be among a body of believers that allow your spirit to move, that allow your spirit to speak. Thank you for healing that baby's ears earlier today, Father. Let it be confirmed by the doctor so that we can give a, a report to everyone here, Father. Let it be confirmed this week. Take that boy to the doctor this week, Wendy, or next week whenever he gets back home. Tell Justice I said to do it and let the doctor check so we can give confirmation. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you, Lord, that you're calling us to a closer place uh, of revelation with you, that you're going to reveal secrets to us, Father. Help us to be trustworthy sons and daughters of your secrets, Father, that we keep them, Father, until they're to be given away. Thank you for the miraculous that's coming. Thank you for the move of your spirit that's coming. I thank you that we're not waiting anymore for the move of your spirit, but the move of your spirit is waiting on the moving of, your, of us, your body. Help us to agree with everything you've said about us because we know that amen will activate your word and agreement will accelerate the word. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for your precious Holy Spirit. We love you and give you praise in Jesus' name.